message of condolence, uh, your love, your various gestures uh, regarding the passing of my mother in love. Not just mother in law, but mother in love. Yeah, she, she went on to be with the Lord last Wednesday uh, after living a glorious 93 years. Yes. Uh, for me personally, for the last 40 years that I've been married to my wife, uh, she has been more than a mother to us. I mean, she's been a heck of a mother. Very generous, very gracious, very loving, very kind. And uh, I just really, 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 really will miss her. Uh, and of course, you can only imagine what my wife uh, is going through with that. Uh, but we just want to really thank you for your incredible, overflowing gesture of goodwill and love through your phone calls, your text messages, and all the other things that you guys have done and have done and are doing. Amen? Uh, so she's going to be interred this Friday in Atlanta. And I think uh, Pastor IBK will send information on that uh, much later. Uh, but the good thing is, she's a sound believer. Very, very sound. Yes. That, that is not just, you know, sometimes when people pass, we try to find nice things to say about them. We may know that they're a devil, but we call them Christians. You know. But that's not the case in this matter. Absolutely not. For all the times she lived in her house, uh, when she was uh, ailing uh, in the hospital and, you know, come and live with us for uh, a few weeks or a month or whatever the case may be, always reading her Bible. Always. And she wants that TV on Christian preaching stations. I mean, at that age, that is a good, good, good proof. Not, not only that, but the tangible food that she carried. Uh, she will see me. She asks for Kunle, Yetunde, Glorious. She, ha she knows all of them by name. It's unbelievable. Uh, here I am. I, sometimes I call Kunle Faith. I call Faith Glorious. <laughs> I just name them as I, as I please. <laughs> but she never did that. It's, it's a blessing. Amen? Thank you all for that. But today is a day of glorious celebration. Yes. Celebration because our children have been to school for another year. And many of them have graduated at various levels. And today in this service at the end of the day, we as a community of faith will affirm them and acknowledge what God has accomplished through them. Amen? I actually was not supposed to minister today, but when I remembered that today was graduation Sunday, I told Pastor Lano, I said, let me take your spot. Let me come on this morning because I'm, I'm just excited. It's just, it's just, there is something about celebration. There is something about acknowledging. I said, God, you know what? You did it again. There is something about, you know what? I went through 12 hard months, faced various challenges, had many opportunities to quit. And I don't know about you guys. I, I can tell you many, many times, even in ministry, I said, you know what? Let me just pack my bags and go somewhere else. Many opportunities, but to just hang in there and see it through, I don't want us to take that for granted. 
Because there are statistics that let you know that many of the guys that go, or girls that go to school, many of them don't finish. They don't finish. So don't take this for granted that your child marched, they put on the robe, and they, and they take pictures, and they get a diploma. No, 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 don't take it for granted. No. If God did not keep them, <laughs> had God not been on their side, it won't happen. Their story would not have been any different from those that went to school and didn't come back home. But God, as I heard Pastor Larry praying this morning, in his grace and his tender mercies, not only allowed our children to go to school, but they came out and they actually finished what they began. Let's give him a round of applause. And so this morning, give me in the scriptures the book of Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 and on from the message translation and I'm speaking for a few minutes this morning on grace for excellence. Grace for excellence. Grace, many of us who've been coming here for a while will, not, will know by now that it's defined as God's unmerited, unearned, and undeserved favor. And it's amazing to me that Paul in his writings to the church in the New Testament. In many passages, actually, but let me just quote one. In 2 Thessalonians 3.18, don't go there. Just leave it. Leave that scripture that's on there and on the board now. He closed his message to the Thessalonians. He said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon you all. Now, you see, you and I read that now in the 21st century, June 2018, and it may not mean much to you. But when you recognize that Paul was penning his final letter to these people that he will never see again. He could have told them that I've let you some money or CD in the bank of uh, 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 what's Wachovia Bank or what's Wells Fargo. He didn't say that. He could have made many other promises to them. He didn't do that. His last line to them to that whole group of people, that community of faith is, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon you all. Why? Because he understood that if they just get that grace, <laughs> he recognized that if they just understand and appropriate that grace, everything else that's lacking in their life will be supplied. Grace is a supplier. Faith is the instrument to bring it home. I looked in my Bible, the very last verse of all scriptures, the last verse of the Bible, Revelation 22 verse 21. What does it say? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon your book closed. Nothing else needs to be said. This is the capstone of God's revelation to man. If you can understand that God's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor has been, has been supplied in your behalf, you're well on your way. 
So this morning we're talking about grace for excellence. So why grace is God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor that's upon us? Excellence speaks to us of outstanding quality or superior merit. Something that is remarkably good. Not just something that is good. There are many, many, many good things around us all the time. There are many, many, let me use an example. There are many, many nice cars you get on the street all day long on the highway. Zoom, 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 they're passing. Nice cars, nice cars. Not blockers, nice cars. Well, every now and then you may see Maserati. You will know that this one is different. Am, am I talking? Hello? As, wait, wait, am I talking to the right congregation here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has anybody here seen a Maserati? Did, did they get your attention? Okay, maybe for some of us, that's, way, that's too far to even think about. Let me bring, how about Tesla? Tesla. Pastor Bakari was here a few months back. Uh, my brother and I went to uh, a Tesla dealership just for fun. We, we read so much about the car, we just said, well, let's, let's see if this is true. They said, that, they said the car, is, we know it's all totally electric and it will do 0 to 60 miles an hour in 4.10 seconds. I said, this, 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 oh, you both people, this, this people, this people, they are lying. This, how can a car get from 0? In 4 seconds, we got in the car. Me, the car salesman. <laughs> My brother was driving. Pastor Bakker and I were in the back seat. So we, go, we got a car, we, 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 we finally got to Highway 400. The, the salesman told Kunle, he said, stop. So he stopped. We entered the ramp. Now the guy said to him, when I tell you, press. I mean just that. Don't, don't think about what you think. I'm telling you, press all the way to the floor. So he paused for about five seconds and he told him, press. And Kunle, boom. And the thing just like a, like a rocket, boom! And indeed, it clocked 60 miles an hour in four seconds. It's not 70 miles an hour now? Are you carrying a rumor here on that mic? <laughs> 60 miles an hour in four seconds. Now, I drive a decent car. Many of you drive decent cars. But Tesla is a what? Excellent car. It's remarkably good. It has outstanding qualities. Are you getting the message? That's the kind of grace that God is made available for you and I in every area of your life. Grace for what? Excellence. Now let's read the scriptures. Matthew chapter 5 in the message translation. Well, message just stole it. Actually, it's, this is Shina Adeyemi's translation. He said, let me tell you why you are here. In case you don't understand, in case you don't know why you're here. You are here to be what? Salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Which means when I go to school, I'm a seasoning in school. 
when I go to work, I may season me at work. Anything, when I'm cooking at home, I'm not just a housewife or a house husband cooking. No, everything I touch, I touch with the grace of God that's upon my life. And therefore, I'm going to be the very best in that moment, in that situation. Such seasoning. You bring out God flavors on this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You have lost your usefulness and we end up in the garbage. God forbid. Next verse. Here's another way to put it in case salt don't get you. You are here to be light. Bringing out the God colors. Oh my goodness. In the world, God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. Give me the next one. Next verse. If I make you like bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket? Do you? I am putting you on a light stand. Next one. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Say shine. I say like you mean to say shine. Thank you. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. So again this morning, I'm talking about grace for excellence. Let me just uh, give you something before I go and address this passage itself. And the reason I want to do this is because sometimes when we read the scriptures, we get so familiar with it, we miss what it's trying to say to us. Case in point, when you read the Gospel of John, chapter 2, for instance, this is so funny, and I hope you get it. There were two public interactions of Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. The first one, he went to a wedding in Cana. Everybody remember that story? Good. The second one, in the same chapter, he went to the temple where people were buying animal sacrifices and money exchangers were doing business. Is that correct? You remember that story? Now, if you had not read the story, if you just know what religion has taught us about Jesus and you have not read the story, please. Which of those two groups do you think Jesus would have had any reason to chastise or correct? Before you answer. A. Is it those who are partying and drinking wine in a party? Or two. B. Will he be correcting those who are in charge? Hello? If you have not read the story, if you just know what you've been taught in Sunday school, what you've been taught through religion over the years, Jesus went to two places. One, a wedding. They were drinking and whining. The other one, he went to church. But in one place, he took a whip and whipped him out of the place. 
Which one would you have guessed he did it in? Easily, 99.99999% of us, if you're normal, <laughs> we automatically said Jesus would have whipped all those guys who were partying, loud music, rock music, whining and dining. He would have brought them out of the place. Is that what he did? No. 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 Because grace is bigger than our traditions. And the reason I brought that in is that you need to begin to see Jesus through a different lens. Through a different perspective. Because if you continue to see him the traditional way we've been taught for years, we'll miss him. He'll be looking at us right eyeball to eyeball and we'll miss him because we have our own preconceived notion of what Jesus must do, what he must say and who he must be with. He overturned the tables of those in the, in the temple. But he affirmed those, oh my God, who are partying and drinking alcoholic wine. Hey! Pastor, did you really say that? Now, am I asking you to go and drink? No. You do so, you do it at your peril. I didn't say so. People say, well, grace gives people license to say, no, no, there's no you don't need a license. The sin in you makes you do what you want to do. Nobody gives you a license for it. Because all of us have the Holy Spirit. Who is the umpire? Who guides us? Who leads us? Who cancels us? Who tells us what's right and what's not right? You don't need me to teach you. John says, you have one that teaches you. The Holy Spirit. Amen? But I share that to now make the point in Matthew chapter 5. Because... It is so easy to read the passage. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And we read it, we just move on. Question, who was he speaking to? It's important. Now give me Matthew chapter 5, 1 in New King James now, please. Just give it to me, please. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went on on the mountain, and when he was seated... His disciples came to him. So we know that Jesus was speaking to multitudes while his disciples were with him. It is these multitudes that Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What? To fully grasp it, go to Matthew chapter 4. Give me the last three verses. Matthew chapter 4. Let's define these multitudes. Who are they? Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria. Gentile nation, Syria. Okay? And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, 
Judea and beyond the Jordan. Oh my goodness. Now let me paint the picture. It is to demon possessed people, to the epileptic people, to paralytic people, to people who are sick, and I'm sure among some church folk, it is to these people who our society will say, You are an, a down outer. You will never amount to anything. We are counting your last days to die because you are a liability, you are sick, you, are, you have nothing but issues and problems. It is this group of outcasts that it says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You are seeing grace displayed. People who ordinarily were darkness, it says you are the light of the world. Because Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 tells us we are dark. We are, he said, we were darkness and now light. We were darkness and now light. So to a people who Jesus knew, he knew they were in darkness because at this point he had not been to the cross. They were totally, completely unbelievers. Jesus calls unbelievers salt of the earth. Because unbelievers, light of the world. Are you guys here with me? Doc, are you hearing what I'm saying, sir? Why did he do that? Because he knew that he had the capacity. He had that grace, the ability, the supply to meet the need that they have. So he simply called those things that be not as though they were. He gave grace to people who are most undeserving, most unlikely, because he, as God, was grace personified. Oh, man, don't miss that. He called unbelievers light, even though at the time he was speaking to them, they were darkness. He called unbelievers salt of the earth. Even though at the time he was speaking to them, they were, there was nothing salty about them at all. To demonstrate for you that grace was in the earth. That grace, present tense, is right now in the house. To change whatever about you is not right to make it right. To right every wrong that concerns you, to turn it around. Because grace has the capacity and the ability to make it so. Oh, I'm reminded in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. The Bible talks about how those that were in debt, those that were discontent, those that were in distress, left King Saul and came and found David in the cave. And they made him captain over them. David is a man of grace. Grace personified in the Old Testament. And we are told through David's life, those men were changed. They went from being in debt, from being discontent, from being in distress, they became David's mighty man. If David can make that happen, are you telling me that Jesus now lacks the resources 
to give me and you the ability and capacity for outstanding performance, for remarkable quality, for something that's so good the world has to notice. I'm talking about Tesla. Tesla is nothing compared to what God has packaged in you. God has packaged in you something far greater that your world is waiting to receive. Amen? Amen? So three things I want to share with us as we move forward in this message. Number one, in fact, let me read a passage in Daniel chapter 6. And then I'll share these three things and then we'll be on our way. Grace for excellence. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. Give it to me in the message translation. Message. 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 Okay, maybe you hear that. Shina. 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 Okay, now they got it. Okay, so that's, that's, that's what I have to say. Shina is better for them. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Darius reorganized his kingdom. He appointed 120 governors to administer all the parts of his realm. Over them were three vice regents, one of whom was Daniel. The governors reported to the vice regents who made sure that everything was in order for the king. But Daniel, brimming with spirit and intelligence, spirit, Holy Ghost, intelligence. Another translation says excellence. So completely outclassed the other vice regents and governors that the king decided to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. And I'm pronouncing to you today that in wherever sphere you are functioning in, the grace of God has come upon your life to outclass everybody else in the name of Jesus. Your story will be told from now till eternity to come. Men and women will come to say, yes, we see the spirit of grace at work in your life. In Jesus' name, you will not fail. You will not go backwards. You will go forward. You will make progress. You will go higher in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Why? Why? Is it because I said so? No. But because the great God of the universe, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, the Father of all creation, lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. Inside of you. And therefore, everything is possible to you when you believe. Amen? Three points I want to leave with you. Number one, that is, you may not be able to control what happens to you, but you can surely control how you respond. You may not be able to control what happens to you, but you can surely control how you respond. This is very, very important to realize. In this race called life, you and I don't get to choose what happens to us. But we get to choose how we respond. 
Because we have grace for excellence. You do not run away from challenges. Running away from challenge will never make the challenge go away. You run away and come back and meet it. Never run away from challenge. Just receive and embrace the grace of God to give you overcoming victory in the matter. You have a choice. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But let me just tell you this story. This true story. Many, many, many years ago. Under the old, old, old western region government. That can tell you how far, that, how far back that was. I had a friend. Who we went to elementary school together. And we both got admitted. To the boarding school at Government College Ibadan. My family was mm, a middle class family. But he, his father was a minister under that regime. And I'm talking about they had a good life. Not this TV that says LG, life's good. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> they had a what? Good life. Good people, good life. And two days before we resume school, they've gone and because we're boarding school, they've bought all this stuff, the provision, the mattress, all the things we needed to take to school. They've already bought it. It's waiting. In my own case, we're still looking. <laughs> two days to resumption. If you guys remember back in those days, they had what they called Operation Wet Year. Let me define that for those who are not familiar with that. These are political thugs. Very much like what we have right now with the, with the partisanship that's taking place with the Republicans and Democrats where nothing can get done. But back then, they, they, there was no way for civil discourse. You don't like your political opponent, you assassinate them or burn their house down. We were living in jungle. Two days before the school resumed, they went to this boy's house and burn the house to the ground. Including everything that he was supposed to bring to school two days later. Cars, house, clothes, they only escaped with their underwears. Because these thugs came at night and they burned the place to the ground. One morning, they were living the good life. The next day, they were totally, completely, abjectly destitute. And this boy, came to school two days later with almost nothing. Because everything was gone. Everything was gone. Those politicians back then, they didn't keep money in the banks. It was all cash under the bed. This is the story. I don't want to mention the guy's full name. But let me just say his name is Ayo. One day Ayo was living on high. The next day, he had to come to school in shame because everybody knew what happened. Shame. He had no control of it. He was not into politics. This was all his parents doing and he has to bear the, br you know how wicked the innocence of kids are? Because this is make headline news. Ah, your father, they burn your house down. Hey, look at you now. 
slaughterhouse. So Ayo had to make a decision. Will I live as a victim? Or will I trust God and live victorious? And that's the same choice you and I have to make every day. That's not discounting what happened to you. It happened. So what? Are you the only one that's going through that? No. But the outcome will be determined by your mindset. To keep a long story short, today, Ayo is a qualified professor, consultant of obstetrics and gynecology, the University College of Bado in Nigeria. Incredible resume. But he had to make a decision at a turning point of his life. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what decisions you have to make. Where you are saying to yourself, you cannot live a remarkably good life. Or you are saying to yourself, I cannot produce something outstandingly of great quality. Because A or B or C or D happen. No, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. We have no choice in what happens to us. But we have every choice in how we respond. That's number one. Number two, number two thing I want to leave with us. And that is that God's grace is available for excellence in the midst of whatever you are going through. I just read the story in Daniel chapter 6. Look at Daniel's resume. Like Ayo. One day he was a prince in Judah. And he woke up the next morning a slave in Babylon. Now, how many of you would like to trade positions? Want to be a prince one day and a slave the next? Let me see your hands. No takers. Of course not. Of course not. Nobody. Slavery is not attractive to anybody. Of course not. But that's what happened to Daniel. So Daniel can start saying, ah, I'm a slave. That's why I cannot make progress. Daniel can call our shopping and say, we need to march. Because now I'm a slave. I cannot make progress. Now, listen, I'm not saying that in a way to trivialize what happened in the history of this nation. It was wrong, it was bad, and we should never condone it. Did you hear what I just said? It was wrong. It was bad. It was a stain in the history of our nation. Absolutely. But the point I'm making is, after it happened, I have a choice. I can be a victim or I can be a victor. Daniel found himself in that situation. He had no control over it. He could have developed a slave mentality or a victorious mentality. He did not just seek to survive as a slave. He knew of God's grace. How do I know that he knew God's grace? Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 through 15. I will not read all of it, but I'll just give it to you. They say, you know what, Daniel? You're in slavery. But we'll give you a special exemption. We'll let you eat from the king's table. Special diet. I mean, serious, serious grub from the king's table. Food as if some of us saw today, you leave church now to go and eat it. Daniel said, well, it's attractive, but I don't want it. Because I know the motivation behind it. 
In other words, I will not receive the world's diet. The message the media is peddling and keep on spinning to tell us wrong is right, to tell us blue is yellow, to tell us black is, I mean, all kinds of nonsense. Then I said, no, I will not buy into that. I, I, I know that this food may, yeah, it may be good for others, but not for me. He refused. He refused. He had a choice. Mind you, in that day and time, his head had been cut off. For, because it was almost like a matter of disrespect. You would not eat from the king's table? Are you kidding me? No. But it's God's grace kept him. We will eat only vegetables. Check us out in 10 days. And I'll tell you that after 10 days, not God's number for completion, I'll be just as good or better than everybody else that came from the king's table. And they agreed. They came back 10 days later and they said, my God, what did you put in these vegetables? I'm paraphrasing. Bottom line is, his trust in God's grace upon his life sustained him. Amen. Another time they said, okay, you know what, Daniel? Bow down. Oh, no, no, not for him. The three Hebrew boys. In his case, they say you must not pray. You must not pray. I said, are you kidding me? Not only will I pray, I'll open the window so all of you can see me while I'm doing it. <laughs> Grace is speaking. He will not allow anyone to shut him down from his source. Folks, let me, let me, let me warn us. I, I know time is going very fast, but let me just warn us. We're living in an age of information highway, and if we are not craft careful, the highway will determine how you walk. Let me, let me break that down. I'm noticing that even my cell phone, which I pull on silent at night, but I need to reprogram it because by 5 a.m. it goes off silence. And once the thing goes off silence, all kinds of beeping. <laughs> no, seriously. And all the news are not good. Some are good, some are bad, some you don't really need, but it's coming in. And so if care is not taken, we are taking our cues for the day from media. Your imagination through the media is directing your actions rather than your revelation of who Jesus is. So now I know I've got to shut it down completely, shut it off until I'm ready to pick it up. Not allowing technology to make me its slave. Technology is a tool, but it's also a bad master. It's a bad master. So you have grace for excellence. Daniel remained consistent in his work. And as a result, watch this. He was promoted to the highest position in the kingdom under three different kings. Oh my goodness. It didn't matter if this previous king is a Republican and the next one a Democrat and the next one an Independent. It doesn't matter. When grace is working in your life, I don't care if Osama bin Laden is in control. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We've bought into the lie of the devil to think one administration can shut down the grace of God. Are you kidding me? 
us if we don't know God. If anyone is shutting you down, it's not them, it's you. Your lack of revelation of God is shutting you down. Last point. Not only do we not have any control of what happens to us, but we have control of how we respond. Secondly, not only do we have grace for excellence, thirdly, and my last point, you and I are ambassadors of heaven, which means we represent excellence daily. As ambassadors of heaven, we represent excellence daily. Ah, I'm going to give you some real information in a minute, but let me just go to two scriptures. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Give it to me in Shina translation. You see that? You see how fast they got it? No, no. I mean, you, you can see that? Lightning speed. My goodness. Okay, we just renamed it. Shina translation. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Look at what it says. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Next one, please. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. Verse 19, verse 20, verse 20, thank you. We are Christ's representatives as salt and light. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We are speaking for Christ himself now. Becoming friends with God is already a friend with you. Oh my God. Can you imagine that? God is already friends for everybody. And it's not asking me and you, me and you, to introduce these two friends to one another. Hallelujah. Let me read one more verse and then I'm going to say some things. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 7. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 7. Thank you, Jesus. And walk with a smile on your face. <laughs> Let me leave that one alone. Always keep it in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you are really serving God. You know that you can go to school tomorrow, you can go to work tomorrow, you can go to your business tomorrow, and no matter what you do, no matter what's happening, Anything you lay your hands to do, you are really doing it for God. Amen. Amen. That should change our world. And I just want to really encourage you as workers that you get this mindset to understand that whatever you do, whatsoever it is, you're doing it for God. And I'm also trusting God for some of us here that are entrepreneurs. You own businesses. Maybe you have a dream of owning one or you own one currently. Let me spend the last few minutes speaking directly to you. What is your motivation for being in business? Oh, I can tell you a few stories on this, on, on this particular one. We have a friend in Warner Robins who started a trucking business. He delivers for Amazon. And like play, like play, we saw him when he started. A few months later, I saw him 
drive a brand new S500. I said, bruh, what happened to you? I know you didn't rob a bank, but is this life so good? He said, it's better than good. Now, he let me in. He said, I prayed. I said to God, if you bless me and bless my business, I will give you as much as you, God, wants. He said, God, now said to him, I'm hearing you. Now, you tell me. I don't want to mention his name. I'm so tempted to mention it, but, but I'm praying for self-control. <laughs> Long and short of the conversation, God said to him, how much do you want to live on? Mm. True story. This is a few years ago when they told me this story. He first said to God, $100,000. So God asked him, if I deliver $100,000 a year, what happens to the rest? The man said to God, I give everything else to you. I'm telling you. He said from the moment he made that determination, God turned his hands to Midas' touch. Everything he touches turned to gold. Two years later, him and God had another conversation. God, I've kept my end of the deal. And you've done the same thing. Can I get a raise? God said, ask. And you shall receive. Seek. And you shall find. Knock. And you shall be open. What do you want, son? He got bold now. Because for two years, God has delivered. <laughs> he multiplied it by two. How about $200,000? God, is, is that all? He got a deal. After two years, he got a raise for $200,000 for his own income. And then God exceeded his expectation again. But each time, he kept on giving to God everything over and above that. You see, many of you, you are daydreaming. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. It's a good daydream. But after you are blessed, what, how would you honor God? How? Oh, I can tell you story after story after story. Let me give us one. For most of us that want to be entrepreneurs. Let me tell us, tell us the story of Guinness. And some of you here had a relationship with Guinness start before you got born again. <laughs> I will not ask for a show of hands. Do you guys know Guinness? Are you familiar with Guinness Stout? Oh, some of you are still doing it now? Some of you have a good relationship with Guinness. The Lord will deliver you in Jesus' name. I don't know how far to go with the story. In the 1800s in Europe, the water supply was bad. And regular water was killing people like as an epidemic. And that went on for years. So they said, how do we solve this problem? They went to the other extreme. They began to make hard liquor. And that was also what? Killing people. So Arthur Guinness, in 1828, came up with a solution that he, at that time, believed was a middle road approach by beginning to brew Guinness. 
Now, I've never drunk one, so I don't know what it tastes like. I don't know what the alcoholic content is. But they say, according to this material that I read, that the alcoholic content was low, that it was nutritious. Now, I'm not saying this, I say, uh, to tell you to go and buy one. <laughs> Please. I know some of you have some serious appetite. But, but I pray that God will give you a cabin <laughs> to that appetite so you don't go and kill yourself. Long and short of the story, it became a very acceptable beverage that was used in Europe and that they found as a solution to the extremity of drinking water that was killing them and the extremity of hard liquor that was also killing them. Arthur Guinness was a devout Christian. And he believed that his business should not just benefit him and that it was not good enough for this business to just give 10000 to Red Cross, 10000 to World Outreach, 10,000 to whatever. He thought if in fact he will exemplify the excellence of God in his operations, he must bless his employees. And so the benefit package he gave them will make Google, Facebook, Microsoft all combined look like jokers. Did you hear what I just said? Let me read it to you. And you can find this in the book Calls to Create by Jordan Rayner, page 200. Number one, he paid all his employees 20% above industry standard. For you entrepreneur that wants to be, a, you want to be a businessman or woman that God is going to bless, you need to start listening to what I'm saying now. It cannot just be about you and your family. You have people working with you the glory of God that's on you should shine forth and bless them. Amen. If it's only blessing you, it's not God. Number two, he gave them full medical and dental care at no cost to the employee. Number three, some of you want to go out and get this right now. On-site massage therapy. I mean, I'm talking about you clock off work at 5 p.m., you go into the person and they massage you down. Unbelievable. Number four, savings and loan to help you own a house. Number five, full pension without you having to make any contributions. Hello? Do you want to apply for this? You want to go and work at Guinness? <laughs> Number six, Funeral expenses paid when you die. Number seven. Free education for dependent children and tuition reimbursement for you if you want to improve your life as an employee. Are you guys hearing this? Yes, sir. Last but not the least, spouses were offered courses and training and any kind of benefits that help them become a better homemaker. Professor wants to know if it's female wives. I said spouses. <laughs> Whether your husband or wife, female, I mean spouses. Here. No, I read this to you so you can understand the impact that our lives can not only have on us, but those around us. Yes. If anybody will say, you know what, God, if you bless me, I'll do half of these things for the people around me, you'll be surprised. Yes. God! 
God is eagerly looking for a conduit through which he wants to show the world how generous and how gracious he is. He just cannot find enough people that will take him up on it. You see, the reason this is so important about asking God for grace to be excellent is because people cannot see God. They can only see him through us. They can only see him through us. And when you display the glory of God in your life and allow the grace of God to come to pass in your life so others can see it, not only does God get the glory, he does, and then you get the benefits. He gets the glory, you get the benefits. And so this morning, I just want to close with a confession that I want us to say together. Can we just rise up and let's get the confession on the screen? It's on there on the screen. Now let's say it together. One, two, go. Father, I thank you for teaching me about your grace and my requirement to live by faith. You are an excellent God. You run an excellent kingdom. And you saved me to serve in an excellent way. I declare that I do. I enter this day and every day determined to do everything I do with a spirit of excellence. You are excellent and your spirit is in me. The Holy Spirit gives me the grace to operate in excellence daily. People may not see you, but they see me every day. And they know I represent you. So I will represent you well. You give me the words to say. You bless the works of my hands. You grace me to work diligently, faithfully, and successfully. People may not go to church. But they go to work and they will encounter you in my workplace through me. People will be able to see you and your excellence in the way I live my life, perform my duties, and carry myself. I am your ambassador. I represent heaven daily and I will represent it well. Not because I'm so good, but only because you are so good only because of your grace. So here I am, Father. I give myself over to you to be used daily as I enter this day. My mantra is, the world will see Jesus in me. I declare this by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you.